I was just waiting for you to say, okay, thanks guys. That's, that's that was that was a great podcast. <laughs> That'd be so funny if you just ended it with that. We literally just talked about e-bikes for two seconds. <laughs> oh yeah, the bike park. That's right. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 91 features Josh Cohan and Jared Harris from Jared's Place Bike Park located in Somerville, Georgia. Jared's Place is another example of a shuttle service bike park that isn't part of your usual resort. It is 100% bikes and has a ton of other amenities that will make visiting Jared's Place worth the trip. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts, such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, along with taking Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all of the sharing, commenting, and tagging of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the trail effect with Josh and Jared from Jared's Place Bike Park. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Jared Harris and Josh Cohan. They are the co-owners of Jared's Place, a bike park in uh, Georgia. It's about an hour south of uh, Chattanooga and about an hour and a half north of Atlanta, right? Correct, yeah. The only bike park in Georgia that you're aware of? Yeah. Yeah, we're um, officially the first first bike park, yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess... When I say bike park, meaning like, you know, like a business. <laughs> yeah. And lift access, certainly. Yeah. And lift access. Yeah. Well, let's kick this off with Josh and let's get kind of your backstory with how you found mountain biking and how you parlay that into, into Jared's place. Uh, yeah. I came into mountain biking. Uh, I used to be a big part of free flight bicycles in Marietta, Georgia. They're an awesome shop and worked there for a long time off and on throughout uh, high school and college and uh, used to ride road bikes a ton, got kind of tired of dodging cars or cars dodging me. And uh, we ended up picking up mountain biking thanks to my cousin. It's about 10 years ago. And that was pretty much the snowball effect. That's all she wrote. Love mountain biking, being out in the woods, dodging trees, not cars. You know, it's a lot more fun. How about you, Jared? Let's get your story on how you, uh, you got kind of an interesting one where you have a background in comedy, power washing, pressure washing, and a bike park. We could go back to 1981, I guess. <laughs> That's how I got into like BMX in general. Just, uh, I primarily had a BMX background and, uh, I was really into motocross too. Yeah. I just kind of grew up around motorcycles and, uh, yeah, I remember seeing my first bmx track and uh my dad worked at like the pentagon and i think the track was in maryland we used to pass this track on the highway and i would just go crazy i would just oh my god you know just wanted to go look at the track and i didn't even have a bmx bike at the time but he stopped there and we looked at it and then uh and then he told me if i quit wet in the bed for like 30 days that uh i would get a bmx bike so so yeah, so I did. I started marking my calendar. So didn't didn't piss the bed for thirty days because I had an incentive. And uh, then he tried to buy me some piece of shit off of like a thrifty nickel, some used like you know back then you couldn't even see what any photos or anything. It was just, <laughs> it was just like you know not certain what kind of bike it was. And I was like not having it. So we went to Kmart and he got me a bike. And then went to the BMX track and then. That was the first time I got to ride. And then I was just like hooked from that point on with BMX. And yeah, and then I raced uh, BMX from 
89 to 1998 and started building trails in 1990, 89 or 90. Yeah, I started designing uh, BMX tracks and stuff. I got a neighbor that like gave me a drafting table. So I started drafting BMX tracks. Yeah, I started doing that. And then the NBL, I don't know if you know the NBL, but it was called the National Bicycle League. So they were a pretty big BMX sanctioning body. They had like a like a nationwide track design contest to build a replica of uh, on the Tanglewood National in North Carolina. So I was all stoked on that, and I like designed a track, and then I won that that contest and got like a GT. I don't know what I think it was like a GT Pro Series or something. And then they supposedly built the track, but it wasn't. It was not to scale at all. Everything was like all baby baby jumps and uh but it was cool <laughs> and then i raced kept racing and i was like 19 over x and I, my class was like super hard and i was like seeing people in single a pro like just making the mains a lot easier than my class <laughs> so buddy of mine got his like pro license and stuff and he turned pro and he was like we raced each other all the time. And then when he turned pro, he was actually making his mains and like making money and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, from that, we, I kind of was, you know, like, well, should I turn pro? But I hated training. I was just kind of rode for fun and just really wanted to build. So yeah, uh, we had some, some trails that we built uh, in Woodstock, Georgia. And that was pretty cool it was um you know really kind of the infancy stages of like what dirt jumps are now and that kind of just kind of developed and then i was like i want to start a sanctioning body because <laughs> i kept getting mad because like all the bmx tracks we would go to they were just building them for five-year-olds so i was like you know what a concept if we just actually start building bmx tracks and putting on races for like pros you know so i built my first bmx track in 1997 i think it was at bremen motocross park in georgia and we had like two races on it and we could only have like two 16 over open races because literally nobody could ride the track it was just like you know there's everything was just peaked out and there was you couldn't roll anything so yeah uh that got shut down because uh, we just couldn't make any money and then uh built another track <laughs> did the same dumb thing again i went and built another track in coming georgia yeah so i mean god i could go on forever but essentially it kind of started with that and then started doing comedy in two, 2000 and then just was on the road basically doing comedy for forever I lived in new york and in la and i don't i don't even think i touched a bike from like 1998 till like 2009 i found a uh when i was living in california i went to pasadena i bought a uh i think it was like a 20 yeah 2009 uh specialized uh enduro and so then i was just hooked on on that i was like oh my god you know this is awesome and i had been looking at magazines all through the years just like seeing how mountain biking had really just kind of like developed into this sport that i kind of like envisioned bmx possibly could evolve to and so yeah so i bought that bike and then was riding just as much as i could out there and i would take it on the road with me to when i was doing tour dates and stuff and, and then i got bummed out uh just burnt burnout on comedy because being on the road just like it just wears you out and the industry in general just wears you out i just kind of i was just kind of not I was just kind of bored with it, honestly. And so then I moved to Georgia, bought some land in 2012. And I basically just stayed in the woods for kind of for years, <laughs> really just building trails for me and like friends to ride. And then people just kept wanting to come ride. And so I kind of was like, well, you know, man, it seems like the sport's kind of growing and really we need a bike park. So then the kind of, I kind of shifted the focus over to like, you know, what do I need to do to get a bike park started and, you know, do it with like hardly any money. <laughs> so, yeah. And then there was three different properties. Uh, I met Josh on the third property and 
it was cool because you know by the time i met him i kind of gotten a pretty good little system down so it was cool like people that wanted to come out um they would just sign a waiver and then i would just make everybody donate like 20 bucks and uh at first i felt like weird about it but then i was like you know shit i'm spending all this money on land and i was buying equipment and all this other stuff so it was cool like i actually started getting a little bit of money to throw back into like building ramps and stuff like that so kind of just like from that point he knew i was looking to do something and I, he was wanting to do a shop i mean i guess i guess i can let him kind of pick up there if you want like and that's kind of how we kind of came together because we we're both looking to do something yeah for sure because i think from what I've gathered, this is, you knew, you said third property, but is this the third incarnation of Jared's place or is this actually the fourth piece of property? Uh, this would be, uh, let's see. No, yeah, sorry. I got my numbers wrong. That was the uh, second property. So this is the third property, sorry. Well, let's get your take, Josh, on how we went from v- version 1.0 to now version 3.0. Yeah, I mean... I met Jared through one of the guys at the bike shop. I had worked for Chipotle for a long time and ended up taking a step back from a very big role uh, in corporate there and took some time off, was still big in mountain biking, taking some time to ride. And uh, one of the guys at Free Flight introduced me to Jared and we were at the second property. It was like, I don't know, he had had the property for a little while and you know, there was some stuff already set up. So we started, you know, just coming out there, riding, shoveling, helping whichever way we could donating. And then, uh, you know, Jared would always be around just talking about how he wanted to do something bigger because that property just, it had the capacity to have a lot of cool trails, but not enough to support a system of people being there on a consistent basis, just due to parking and just the access to the land. And, uh, you know, Jared, has always been looking for properties. I mean, I think his phone lives on realtor.com. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, he was always searching for the prop, like the, the perfect piece of land. And, uh, you know, before COVID happened, I was really, you know, after I had taken some time off, I was really interested in just opening my own shop because I love bicycles been around in my entire life and it's what I enjoy. And, uh, so I wanted to open a mountain bike shop, but, you know, looking around our local area, there's just so many great shops already that you can go to and that are available at anyone's need. And so it's kind of a, a dominated market per se. Well, Jared and I got talking and I was like, well, you know, if we could just do something where we had our own place and he's like, well, yeah, that's why I've been always looking for different pieces of property to go bigger. And it just worked out that we started looking for land together and, we found several places. We actually found one place that we put a bid on and we won, but unfortunately some gentlemen ended up taking all of the segments of land. We just wanted one segment, which was the mountain, which no one really wanted, but he ended up saying that it was too cheap not to buy, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, we ended up not grabbing that one, which would have been a tad bit closer to the city of Atlanta, but it, it all worked out because where we ended up is such a wonderful place. Um, the location that Jared had found, the auction had fallen through. It took us a few months and right around November of 2020, we came across the property that we have now, which is in uh, Somerville. And uh, we immediately knew as soon as we saw it, like, that's it. Like, it's, it's just home. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a huge mountain with a very flat bottom, perfect spot to put a mountain bike shop perfect spot to put a bunch of trails and build something cool and it's not too far from several major cities it's kind of right in between florida tennessee and uh you know north carolina to where people who want to travel can kind of ride everything in the southeast which is pretty awesome to us and uh it's cool to see all the people that have come you know from all different places to us just because we wanted to build some cool mountain bike trails and have a mountain bike shop so yeah, let's put that property into perspective in terms of like what it is for acreage and what it is for elevation. Cause the acreage is one piece, but I think some people might be surprised to hear what you have for elevation right there. Yeah. I mean, so for the property, we have uh, just over or just at 230 acres, which, you know, on paper it's large, but a lot of people don't realize that it's like for us, it looks like a rectangle. I guess where like the sides are the short parts and the middle 
is what ends up being the steep part. And um, the elevation, so where we have our shuttle drop off, well, our pickup to the drop off is 450 feet of elevation. But the real kicker is when people get dropped off there, what they don't realize is that the climb to the top is another 450 feet. But it ends up giving you this totally different element where you have very awesome terrain for steep downhill trails and you have awesome terrain for you know really good flow trails or like a beginner section to where you can have or intermediate trails where it's not too steep but you're able to introduce people into that kind of realm of what kind of mountain biking we're doing i guess yeah i actually did just that with my girlfriend and we'll talk about that later but literally her second day on a mountain bike on dirt ever was at jared's place (laughs) oh man can't wait to hear this story yeah (laughs) so let's talk about like kind of what the process was for you guys in terms of like building it out you know you got you got it in 2020 had you guys visited other bike parks to kind of know what you wanted and maybe know what you didn't want and then obviously you had i'm assuming you learned a lot from version 1.0 and 2.0 like let's talk about that one and why don't you take that one jared yeah so I definitely um, got super inspired um, from everywhere that I've been, really. I mean, there's, you know, I did a trip in 2019 to uh, Red Bull Hardline. That was like such an eye opener in terms of, uh, you know, what's possible if you really cultivate a scene. Yeah, that was, it was amazing. And we went to uh, Bike Park Wales as well. And that was really impressive. I think we were there like on a Monday and it was like 10 a.m. And I, I think, I, I want to say I counted nine shuttles running on a Monday at 10 a.m. And I was just like, holy crap, which, you know, that's really kind of a destination place too. I mean, Wales has a big riding scene, but, you know, there were people from all over there, you know, so it was kind of cool just to see that on a much larger scale and know, you know, what's possible, but also too, just, you know, around here in general, like there really, I mean, we just really didn't have much. And I had tried to work with like local trail organizations and stuff, you know, to build, build things, but it's just, it's, it's hard because they have different priorities and, you know, progressive trails weren't necessarily the focus. And so, you know, just knew we had to do something different, but yeah, we wanted something that we had enough elevation that people would be happy with, um, which I think we have, but we also wanted something that had uh, varying types of terrain. This particular property is very rocky, which, you know, initially I don't like per se, but I know a lot of people really like rocks. Um, and I guess now in retrospect, looking at, looking at it, I would rather have more rocks than not enough rocks. Cause the worst thing would be to have to bring rocks in. And the cool thing is we have so many rocks. <laughs> we can literally just like move rocks to the side and just have them for whatever they, they come in handy for so many different things. And then, you know, Canuga had opened up too. And, um, you know, I was so insanely pumped on that. Cause I mean, that was really, so Winrock was really cool. And I, but I'm I'm not necessarily like uh just not really my background like riding downhill per se. Uh so Canuga had opened up and I was really pumped on that. Uh just because like my wrists are really bad and um, it sounds stupid, but it just hurts to ride chunky stuff. You know, they had some really good flow trails and stuff, and I was really pumped on that, but it was just so far away. So just going to these parks and seeing how things are set up and seeing what they're doing and everything, it's it's cool because it does give you some motivation to be like, all right, well, I know that there is a market for this and I know that people do want it. And it also helped to having a place where people kept messaging me to come ride. And the stuff at my old place was like, there was really nothing for people to just go ride without getting smashed. So it was a very small amount of people that could go there and safely ride. So, and I did, I did that mostly just because you know, when you're on a budget, you're just building gaps everywhere because you can't move. I didn't have big equipment to stack up big tabletops and stuff, you know, but you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I like about all the different parts. You know, I went to Killington. That was really cool. I went to mountain park. That was, you know, awesome. 
haven't been to a ton of bike parks, but you know, I feel like I got a good kind of grasp of, of bike parks in general, just going to bike park, Wells, Kellington, uh, Winrock, Canuga kind of had a good grasp, you know? And, um, so obviously we just wanted to be able to have a place where that had the elevation and we had a different variety of trails and, you know, I'm kind of impatient, uh, with things. So what we have right now is really just like phase one. So whenever people come to the park, I'm always like, well, this is just phase one. <laughs> like we're still built, you know, we're about to be building more. Uh, cause right now, you know, we, we're really kind of focusing on, um, our next phase is going to be like very, very entry level beginner stuff. Just so it's a place where, you know, you can bring the wife or the girlfriend, the kids, all that, you know, have a little dog park and all that and kind of focus on that aspect of it just so we do have everything. So right now we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of catering to more of a core, like the core group of riders, you know, and uh, you, that's not really sustainable. Yeah, for sure. It's, it seems like all the successful bike parks with the exception of Windrock, cause they're super core and they've, yeah. and they've found that niche <laughs> of, of downhill riders, but they all, the rest of them all have the same thing in common, which is they know that they're, that to be sustainable, they have to, get new customers and keep those customers and you can't get them at that without offering that entry level, you know, well, let's talk about the build. You know, you guys got this in 2020 from what I can tell you built it out mostly in 2021 and then especially over the winter of 2021 into 2022 and then opened like the second or third week of May officially in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Took us uh, about like a year and two months to get, you know, what, what you see now built and, you know, trail building is, um, it's, that's what I love about it. Cause it's challenging. There's like, there's so many different ways to build a trail, you know, and you really just have to, <laughs> you just have to start doing it. And then you kind of learn as you go, um, over the years, I've learned a lot over the years, just with equipment and drainage and like, you know, transitions, distances from the berm to the, to the, the launch, how long should each jump be? The design aspect is what I'm most interested in. Just, you know, I get a, I really get a kick out of like seeing people ride stuff, you know, just have smiles on their faces. And the cool thing is too, now that we've got this park, you know, there's so many other people that have that same kind of passion that I always had, you know, in terms of just uh, wanting to build stuff and, it's cool to be able to give opportunities to other people to be able to develop that, you know, cause when I was coming up, I mean, there was no, there was no bike parks there, you know, that wasn't even a thing. It was like in your mind, you would be like, well, I could see this in the future where people would be doing this, you know, but it really just wasn't developed so much. So a lot of experimentation over the years <laughs> with, with that, but um, it's cool now to see, and I don't even think these kids nowadays even understand how good they have it. I mean, it's unbelievable to the fact that, first of all, there's such a such thing as a bike park that you can go ride. But second of all, you have full suspension bikes that you can go pretty easily hit 40 foot jumps on, you know, I mean, it's mind boggling to me. And it it's depressing sometimes, too, because I'm like, why do I have to be 40? You know, I'm almost 47. It's like. Why do I have to be almost 47 when all this amazing stuff is happening, you know? But yeah, we have some really good people working at the park and they're all very passionate. And um, I think that's at the end of the day, that's what's most important. I feel like is just have people that are insanely passionate about what they're doing. And um, you know how it is. Like if, if you're passionate about what you're doing, it doesn't, you know, it's not really work and, or you don't mind putting in the extra hours. Yeah, for sure. Josh, let's get your take on the park and and where it sits today. And we're going to say at phase one, because even at phase one, you do have a pretty, pretty broad cross section of offerings in terms of the type of trail experience someone could get there. You have the tight, narrow, off-camber technical stuff, and you also have huge jumps and small jumps and all the, all the things a bike park needs to have. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for our first phase, we were most concerned about just having a broad spectrum of a little bit of everything. 
from steep technical trails to big flow jump trails to medium-sized jump trails to a beginner-style jump trail. Yeah, and the cool thing is, like Jared said, it's all a learning process until you just start doing it, right? You know, we have so many different types of soil that we have to deal with, all sorts of different types of rock that we deal with, you know, from granite to limestone, uh, sandstone. We have so many different types of rock that you go through. And then it's also understanding like the weather patterns. We, you know, what's crazy is as we were building, um, we actually started building in February, well, beginning of March in 2021 is when we broke real ground. And then it took us all the way until, like you said, May. Well, in a whole year and two months, you figure out every weather pattern for the first time as to where like the end of summer is extremely rainy as to where right now, like the season we're in uh, beginning of fall, um, middle of fall. It's very dry, so it's learning how to deal with the different elements. You know, when you get further into winter, you get freeze-thaw and how you can combat that, um, where it's the worst, where it's the best. You know, and the, the, the cool thing was in the first phase of us trying to get open was that we got to ride everything, but the problem was that there was not enough people to ride it to keep it maintained. <laughs> so it was always a constant battle of us trying to have fun while working. And we ride like one trailer or two at a time because that's all that was available because of how things grew in. Now into like today, the cool thing is that like we all have a system down. We know what it takes to get things bang out a whole trail refresh, knowing like how much uh, work it's going to take to just get a certain bench done, what kind of benching needs to be done, how the drainage needs to be done for the, the steeper trail. Because what people haven't experienced yet, since we've only been open through summer, is the wet months. And the wet months here get very wet. Like, I mean, there's been times where we've built a trail and we're like, oh, it's great. All the drainage is perfect. And then there's just this random waterfall that just comes out of the side of the mountain that wasn't there the day before. And you're like, wow, well, okay. So it's cool that we've been able to experience like all of the seasonal change to where now we're able to really hone in our skills and we've been able to give people an array of trails that like Jared said, it's more for the core, but what's neat is that going into this next season, we're going to be starting to build stuff specifically for beginners and families. And um, we're able to build and add to what we've already created from different little side shoots to new side features like we did with double green and senior discount. Same with air supply. Air supply just got a refresh, which is our big jump trail. It's kind of like a A-line style jump trail. And it's really unique to the Southeast. And for us, I think to me, that trail means the most because I come from a motocross background. I love jumping bicycles. It's fun. It's fast and it's open. But the cool thing is that even if it's a black jump trail, we have people that have gone down at that basically never ridden a mountain bike and they just feel comfortable on that trail because of how wide it is. And it's cool to see someone that has never ridden a bike, get on a trail. That's potentially one of the hardest in our entire park, but they feel comfortable on it because of all of the optional ride arounds, the, what the width of it, you know, and the way that we maintain it. So it's really cool to see all of that. Uh, I think moving forward, as we get later into this process of what we're building, you'll see, the evolution of the trails that we've already created change. And I think that's what's cool about mountain biking and trail building is that it's never going to stay the same. Just like from a motocross background, as you ride a track, it always changes. So for us, it's always a, an, an evolving game of what can we change? Is this drainage system working? You know, and what can we do to help keep our trails in running shape throughout any season for our customers? Cause we love riding and we know they like riding. So. Yeah. So since you've been open, do you have, I don't know if you guys have a way of kind of tracking what, I'm sure it's probably just what people tell you of what people kind of have liked the most and has it surprised you? Like, is there a certain trail or trails that kind of get the most traffic? Yeah. Like yeah. Jared's saying, it's a good question. Um, so we have a verbal kind of background on what people like. Uh, we could definitely take a poll at some point. I think that'd be cool. But I mean, we all know why a lot of people like to come here. I mean, granted, I'm somebody who likes to ride steep technical terrain as to where like Jared likes riding flow trails and jump trails. We have a lot of people that come here for both. I think the flow trails are definitely more popular just because we've created something where a lot of other places 
they give a lot of great like in-betweens, but we just given a huge jump trail where like, you know, or that or double green, which is like, it's a really cool trail. Like the cool thing about double green is that it's not for wide, but at the same time, there's like a million different options of features. And I think a lot of people like double green because there's just, you can create your own line through there. There's not one set way that you have to go about it. There's just so many different options. So I'd say double green or senior discount. Senior discount is our intermediate tabletop line. And it's just the best place to learn how to jump a bike. Everything as far as the landings are rolled off. The lips are all consistent. They progress as you go down the mountain to where you start with something that's smaller to where you get to the bottom and there's a slightly bigger jump to where people don't feel intimidated trying to do something that they've never done before. They feel like, oh man, like if I don't jump this, I'm going to absolutely destroy myself and my bike. It's like, oh, hey, I can try and jump this. And if I don't go all the way, then the next time I'll jump further. And the next time I'll jump further. And the next time I'll jump further. So I'd have to say senior discount and double green are probably our two most favorite trails from the feedback we've gotten. I will say that, you know, a lot of the true crazy wild mountain bikers that we do have come through here love air supply though. So it, it just depends on who's the one riding the trail. But I'd say fan favorite, senior discount, or double green. And I'm going to throw mine in there. And I don't know where you came up with these names, at least one of them. But I was having fun, and, it, and granted, it took a bit of climbing. Because like you said, you only, your shuttle goes halfway up, and then you have to climb the other half of the way. Mm-hmm. Either with an analog bike or an e-bike. I had an analog bike. Or like I just Ooh. learned last week, a muscle bike. <laughs> yeah. And that was Dongfeng to 1776. Nice. That trail is uh, very awesome. We actually just added a connector from Dongfeng into Local Pro. So that way it gives you the option of wanting to ride 1776 or riding the bottom half of Local Pro, which is pretty sweet. But Dongfeng is uh, actually named after our shipping container. Uh, We actually have no idea what it actually stands for. It's just a dolphin, and uh, I think they make like new Chinese off-road vehicles. And it was just funny, so we just had to name something Dong Fang. It just it's a great name. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the other stuff you have there, because it's not just trails. You also have camping camps, rentals, and obviously a shop. You know, you came from a shop background, Josh. But let's talk about what you know the full experience. You know, we're here for the the bike park stuff, but there's a lot of other things too. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So for us, uh, like Jared and I, at least we've traveled a lot to a lot of different places. I've traveled all over the West coast to ride bikes. I've been up and down the East coast. And, uh, the, the one thing that kind of, I always just, am like, why do we not think about this is just better bathrooms. I mean, like literally Jared and I had the conversation about this from the beginning and it's that, you know, if we bring our girlfriend or our wife or anything like that to come ride with us and they have to use a porta potty, it's like, man, they're already complaining. And, <laughs> you know, so, you know, for us, it's a little bit easier. But I think that was the big take for us is we wanted to have a great home base. And around the home base, we wanted to surround it with camping to where you had amenities 24 hours a day. You know, if you're on a long road trip and you need a refresh and you want to camp where we are, we have great sun. There's not a lot of trees, so you can recharge your solar. We also have outlets outside our building because we know people ride e-bikes like Jared and I, and they got to be able to charge them. And sometimes people with their van setups, they just don't have enough power to be able to charge up their e-bike all the time. So we were able to offer that to people. Um, we have a full bike wash. So that way people are able to clean their bike on the go. Even if you're local, if it's a muddy day, you don't want to ride home with your dirty bike on the back of your car. Boom. You got a clean bike. Also, uh, we have heated showers that are out back of our shop. I mean, one thing that's never a good time is having to drive five, six, seven hours. If you're on your way home to Florida, North Carolina, Tennessee, California, you want to take a shower and just having cold showers sucks. I mean, it's great during the summer, but during the winter, it's not awesome. So we just wanted to give people the full experience of feeling like you had a home, you know, like this is our home. We want to share it with you. Um, the camping spots, that was a huge take. Uh, we wanted to make sure that everything was uniform. We have all of them are graded properly. All of them come with a fire barrel. 
we do sell firewood at the shop. So if people, if they want to hang out, stargaze, we have some of the best stargazing that anyone can really ask for. So wanted to be able to let people share that experience with us. What about you, Jared? What's your uh, take on all of this in terms of like the amenities? Like what's your kind of your favorite stuff outside of trails? Well, for me, really, it's just, um, it's a legit getaway. So yeah, I mean, if you work well, like we all do, I guess. Yeah. It's just nice to be able to feel like you are somewhat disconnected and, um, which is, you know, rare these days, but you know, we don't really have any noise pollution or sound pollution out there. It's, um, the skies. I mean, it's always an amazing sun, sunrise, sunset. It's always amazing. It's always different. It's just relaxing in general. I just feel like, you know, vibrating at a different frequency out there. And, uh, I get, sometimes I'll just have like really crazy stressful days or weeks. And, um, it's nice just to be able to get there and kind of, you do get this kind of unwinding effect as though you are on a vacation, but we're really not that far away. So that's really, really cool. And I don't think we would have, well, we definitely wouldn't have gotten that anywhere else. But yeah, like, I don't, I don't think we would have gotten that like at the first place that we uh, thought we were actually going to do until the guy bought it out from underneath us. You know, that, that was still, still too, too close to the city. It just, you know, you had to go through a neighborhood to get to it. Just, um, yeah, this feels way more remote without being that far. Let's go into events. Cause you've already hosted some events. You actually, you hosted an event before you were even open. Yeah, we did. And that was a big gamble. I mean, I knew we could do it, but it was just like, it was a little stressful, but we did it. I mean, we pulled it off. It, it was, it was, it went off without a hitch really. Yeah. Dave with go nuts um, and his whole crew. I mean, they did a really, really great job. And uh, you know, it was a lot of trust involved too, because you know, we're trying to open up this bike park and we put all this work into it. And we're like, man, if y'all mess up, because, <laughs> I was like, I know we're not going to mess up. <laughs> so it's, you have to put a lot of trust in it. And he knew that it was really important, uh, not only for him, obviously, because he wants to do a good event, but just the whole thing in general was just a big deal. But yeah, I couldn't be happier with how everything went. It, it really went great. And yeah, I feel like I don't, I don't think it could have been any better, really. Yeah. So we've got two more. Two more events with them coming up as well this uh, this coming year twenty or twenty twenty three sorry, and a winter race series coming up. Yes, Josh can tell you a little bit more about that because he's more he's kind of really kind of overseeing that. Yeah, we're just uh, taking off of all the other parks. Honestly, we can't even take take the first foot and say that we came up with anything crazy. Is honestly, I've been to Canuga's uh, Thursday Night Race League twice, and it's a great experience and. What they do there is phenomenal. I mean, I really can't say anything bad about it. They do a great job. And we ended up wanting to do it on a Friday night because we're more of a destination place. Um, so that way we could offer people to camp afterwards and hang out with us and then ride with us on Saturday. So that was that was a big thing for us. Uh, we only did four race nights, so four Friday nights, just to get our feet wet. It's definitely something new to all of us as a group and having to make sure that the trail is taped and timing is ready and all of that. But yeah, we'll be starting at a, we'll be starting check-ins uh, at five o'clock on top of the mountain. We'll be running the shuttle a little late those days and then we'll start racing at five 30 and uh, we'll be done right as the sun is coming down. So that'll be a good time. We have one going on on the 28th, which that weekend we're going to have like a big Halloween event that we're about to actually announce today, which is October the 4th. So um, we're excited. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. It's just to give some people in the local area just some more experience getting some seat time under like racing conditions. It's just a go to the go to the start and race down. Whoever has the best time, you win that night. And at the end of it, we'll add up points and they'll get a sweet prize from Fox because that's who's helping us pro host. You know the whole Friday night race series. So, and to be clear, that's the Fox Clothing Company. 
Yes, correct. Sorry. Yeah. Fox racing clothing company. Yeah. So that they're a big part of our shop. We, uh, they're, we're, they're the only like material cloth wise that we carry or, you know, helmets and stuff like that. We love their product and they've been awesome to us. So it's really cool to have them on board with our race series. Let's move into one of the things that most people don't like to talk about, which is trail maintenance. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I feel that uh, it gets, you know, it, Especially, I mean, that's one of my personal interests in bike parks in general and the pay to play model, because, you know, we, I, I mean, I, I was a volunteer forever. I still volunteer when time permits and, and whatnot, but maintenance is, it seems to be forgotten because, and that's, I think, a, just something we deal with in life because nobody wants to do maintenance on anything. They all want the new stuff. Right. But yeah. let's talk about, you know, what you guys do for maintenance and, and even what you have for staff to help perform that. Well, uh, first of all, I just want to say I actually enjoy the maintenance thing because it gives a it gives an opportunity to go back and like make changes or revisions or add new stuff. So that kind of keeps it exciting. I think it would be really boring if you were literally just sticking with the same exact thing every single time and you weren't making any changes or adding anything new. So, you know, from that angle, it's it's um our perspective. It's it's um it's cool. Uh, and yeah, I th- maintenance is huge. I mean, it's, it's, you can spend, you know, all your grant money on a trail, but I think a lot of people don't, they don't think past that initial build and it only takes like three or four hard rains. And then you're just like, man, you know, so it, it's, it's a lot of work, but the guys are great. And, um, they're getting they're getting really used to the whole process, you know. And like we mentioned earlier, it it is a learning experience because even every trail is kind of has its own little different way that you need to do it, you know. There's there's not like any sort of one cookie cutter way to to do things, you know, to build trails or maintain trails. But yeah, I think with the guys obviously I don't know how they feel about it. I think they, I think they enjoy it in general just because, you know, they're, they're able to also do those little changes or have input on things. So it's fun. I, I think it's fun overall. It's, it, it, I think where it gets really hectic is when you just get just completely hammered with like a storm or something and you've got like a very short window that you have to work under. That's probably the, the worst part about it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Josh? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Jared. It's the cool thing about doing maintenance is you get to build on what you already have. Uh, we never would keep something the same and, you know, and if we do, it's just small changes. Um, even if at at that, you know, like that's the bare minimum, you know, because you can always add something fresh if you're having to go back through. And there's always something that us as riders always see that we'd be like, Ooh, what if that was there? So now that we're going back through, we have the opportunity to try that, which is cool. The guys, uh, they, you know, as much as everyone doesn't like doing maintenance, we don't mind it. Uh, We definitely understand the importance of it. That's also why we kind of have the pay to play business model, because we're able to give people great trails consistently. Like Jared said, you know, when it rains and it in this area, when it rains, it pours. You know, the hard thing is that everyone wants to ride all the trails and so do we. But it's really difficult because we only have between when shuttles aren't running and then they are running so if we have to close a trail for a day or two you know everyone's always asking when that trail is going to be open back up but we just ask that people understand like it takes time you know because if we have like for instance a few weeks ago we got like five inches of rain in one day you know and that's it's very difficult to combat thankfully uh, air supply we figured out a really great tarping system so we actually tarp all of the takeoffs, landings, and almost all of the flat bottoms on that trail. So it takes an hour just to roll out and, uh, and roll back up the tarps. So that's something that we do to help combat it. As far as like the smaller trails are concerned, our downhill trails are great. You know, uh, thankfully they take water very, very well due to all the rock. We do have to go through after a, a, a big storm and go make sure everything is safe for everybody. Um, like on a, let's say for instance, it rains on a Friday and we're going to be busy on Saturday. We are all up at 7 a.m. on the top of the mountain, going from top to bottom, walking it, making sure that if a tree is down, it's cut. 
making sure that if there's a lot of like loose gravel, it's blown. Um, so the guys work very hard. I mean, they're some of the hardest working guys and they have to do it consistently just to make sure that the trails are in running condition for everybody. But I wouldn't say maintenance is the worst. It's always a building point. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's awesome that we, you know, we're seeing places like Jared's place pop up because I think, you know, the old model of this was a bike park was typically attached to a, of some sort of res- resort. And hopefully we get to see this model continue to grow across the country and across the world. You know, what would you have if you had one piece of advice that you could give to someone else in terms of opening or going down this path that you guys have gone down with Jared's place? We'll kick it off with Josh. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give someone going down this model is just take your time, know what you're looking for and uh, don't rush things because when you rush things, the planning might not be. It, you have that in plan as you want, but you're gonna have to change that plan due to weather or the lay of the land. You know, you can look at it from a photo, but it's not always gonna be the same. So just take your time and uh, just be open to everything you come across because your your whole the whole realm of what you think is gonna be completely different by the time you make it down to the bottom of the hill. So. Yeah. And I think a good example of you guys doing that is the fact that you didn't get that first piece of property and the second piece worked out better. You know, things don't happen for a reason. You know, everything happens for a reason. Things don't happen for a reason. And honestly, it worked out because we have the most beautiful drive in. Um, We were resilient. We didn't stop when we thought we were going to just not find anything because finding a big track of land with a mountain on it is not the easiest thing just to come across. So it takes time and planning. And like I said, you know, it's just, you never know what's going to be different as you come down the mountains. So just always be prepared for, you know, just something different to happen. Just how it is. What do you got, Jared? I I would say, um, you know, definitely just have to be passionate about it because, you know, you'll get tested for sure. And, you know, it takes, you can't really set a time frame on when, things will happen either because you know i really started thinking pretty intently about uh, a park i would say probably 2012 2013 ish and that was a long time of just you know really thinking and trying to put those things into action you know so if i i would have drove myself crazy if i'd have been like well i need to get something going asap and I, I think the other thing too is um, allow yourself uh, the room to make mistakes because you're going to make mistakes along the way. It's just this is how it's going to be. But also, um, I would say, yeah, I, I just you know, it, it's not a money thing really. It's more of a passion project for sure because there's, I mean, the amount of time it takes to to put into it. You're definitely, you know. I mean, me personally, I would make much more money doing other stuff, but I think long-term it's worth it because in like a lot of other riders, I think I just look at it from this viewpoint. It's like, I'm going to be riding and building regardless. As long as I'm healthy enough to ride, I'm going to be building and riding. So I might as well just be doing this, (laughs) you know? And if it does pay off, awesome and I, I feel like other people pick up on that passion and i just don't think you can go wrong if you're doing it for those for those reasons and you really are passionate about it i think that's the the, the key to everything really whether you're talking about a bike park or you know whatever it's it's just having that passion and love to do it and i i think the way to know that you really love doing something is that you just keep doing it. And sometimes you have to be like, why do I, or, you know, getting over an injury and just being like, you know, smashed or torn ligaments or broken bones. And then you're just like, Oh my God, why, why, why do I do this? And then a week later and you're like, man, I cannot wait to go do this again. I'm so stupid. (laughs) I think we all go through that, you know? So yeah, just really having passion for it and just, you know, not trying to, I think it's cool to set goals, but there's no telling when things will happen. You know, things just have to kind of fall in place. And 
you know, you'll meet people and uh, you put that energy out there. And that's like with Josh, you know, it was like pretty synchronistic. Uh, syn- is that even a word? <laughs> I can't even talk. It is if you're a comedian. What's it called? Synchronicity? Is that what it is? Serendipitous. How's that? Serendipitous. So yeah, like, you know, it, it was cool because um, the timing and everything just kind of fell into place. And um, the other thing too, is if you don't have the resources by yourself, if you can find somebody else that does have the, re- you know, you can partner with somebody so that the two of you can go in it together. And also if you are doing it with somebody else, then you want to have somebody that is, is strong in the things that you're weak in, you know? And I think that's great thing about our whole dynamic is that, you know, he's really good at things that I'm not good at. You can't be good at everything, you know, it's impossible. So yeah, patience and have passion. Pretty seems simple enough anyway. (laughs) For sure. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you guys want to talk about, especially in terms of like what, you know, what the rest of the season looks like for you and going into 2023? Well, one thing I'll add is just that uh, going back to the the trail maintenance aspect of things, um, you know, I'm just trying to figure out a way to, well, both of us are really, I mean, trying to figure out a way to just get the trails rideable rain or shine and, um, you know, get the maintenance minimized so we can build more stuff. Because a lot of the time that you're spending fixing things, you could be spending that time building something new and exciting you know so that's my big priority on my end and that's kind of you know i mean we all kind of do a little bit of everything around there you know but uh i think i'm I'm probably more worry about the trails more than anything else you know (laughs) everything else just kind of seems to fall into place and i kind of focus more on the trails more than anything what about you josh what would you like to add we're doing the Halloween event, which will be a good time. Have a food truck, uh, music, have just a jump jam. No competition for the jump jam, but just like a jam format. And then um, we're going to have, you know, a, a movie that we're going to be watching, Winner Takes All. It's one of Jared's favorite videos. And then, uh, you know, we're just trying to have a good time for the rest of the season, get some maintenance done. And then we're about to really start ramping up for uh, the winter building session that we're about to have. It's going to be awesome. We're about to build like a full pedal system behind our shop. So that way we can have beginner trails to where Dusty with the Shred Academy can really start holding uh, clinics for true beginners. And also, so that way he'll be able to ramp up his business with, uh, you know, just basic one-on-one sessions. And then that way we can have people that are building skill and then able to go to the other side of the park where the shuttle runs. Um, so really looking forward to that. It's pretty much the end of our seasons looking like uh, just have some new merch that we're about to drop soon. Um, we're also about to roll out this new program called the punch pass. So um, we'll get into that here within the next few weeks. We're just uh, testing out some new things. Uh, I think some of these other bike parks around us, once they see that roll out, we'll might take a note from it. We're just trying to help innovate, you know, and we want to see the people around us grow just like we want to grow. You know, and I think the biggest thing for me out of all of this that's been cool going into the end of the season is seeing all the people in our local areas now talking about it, seeing people coming to our town with bicycles, seeing our stickers everywhere. And it's just cool going into the end of the season. I mean, Jared and I had no expectation. So everything's awesome from here on out. So, you know, we're just here because we love it. Like Jared said, we can make money elsewhere but this is something we're passionate about and you know we're excited to see what the the beginning of next year takes us or where next year takes us and uh the beginning of the year and end of this year going on the beginning of the year yeah just ending it strong and building new trails uh getting some new stuff for the beginners to get everyone out here so that way everyone can enjoy it as a family and uh yeah that's pretty much it jared you got any bonus content for us I was just like a bar comic, really. Um, so probably anything I would say being inappropriate, but but I will say this, like <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of since we've been talking about bike parks and stuff uh, and mountain biking, uh, I just think it's really important to, and what a, a big goal of mine is is to, well, I said not just mine. I'm sure Josh feels the exact same way, but we want to cultivate 
the scene, cultivate the riding scene. There's just so much potential. And there's so many people that uh, I'm sure you meet people all the time too, that you can just tell people are intrigued and, you know, people that maybe don't have a bike or kind of thought about having a bike or getting a bike or rode one as a kid. It's really, really cool to be able to know that you could have a park where people could actually come get involved and then watch them. It's I don't know why we do this, but I I know a lot of us are like this, where we just get off on seeing people get into the sport and get that same feeling. There's no feeling. I mean, being on stage, you know, killing for an hour is like it still never compares to the second that you hit like a 40 foot or 50 foot jump you know what i mean like nothing could ever compare to that (laughs) so it's a feeling that you want everybody to experience you know and i just all around man it's just it's an awesome sport and i just want to see more people on bikes and i feel like not just us but any other parks that are opening or, or whatnot you know I feel like that should be the main focus is just trying to cultivate and get more people on bikes. Yeah. I look at this whole thing. And if you look back into the 19, probably the 1950s or sixties, when ski areas were really starting to take off and you had little ski areas, like where I live in Wisconsin, there's and there. Granted, there's not nearly as many of them now, but there was just a bunch of little three to 500 foot Hills with a chairlift or a rope toe, you know, and, I see this as being the same thing now that mountain biking has gotten to where it is and as far as being semi-mature in terms of an activity, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a growing sport. I mean, I do feel like, you know, we need some more entry level bikes that people can <laughs> afford, but, um, you know, that's a whole nother, a whole nother thing. Well, should we wrap this one up? Yeah, man, I guess I don't, unless you got anything else, I'm curious though, where you live. And, uh, cause I used to, I've, I've done Wisconsin so many times over the years. Like I used to do this club in Appleton. That I loved called skyline. I don't know how far you are from there. I live in uh lacrosse, Wisconsin. I've done lacrosse, but I don't remember where it was. It was probably a small, I think it was a small venue. It would definitely be a small venue in lacrosse, but I totally remember lacrosse. You know, so my history with comedy is like, you know, the old school Gallagher, right? Oh gosh. Yeah. Or yeah. Sam Kennison. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, but I do remember one time, oh, this would have been, this would have been more than 20 years ago. I walked into the local skate and snowboard shop. It would have been in the fall. I think I was probably looking at snowboard stuff and yeah. Carrot Top was standing, it was actually in the shop. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> He's still going, man. That guy's like, I think he's still doing a Vegas thing he does. He's like, he's got it going on, man. He's still pretty, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's funny because yesterday I was texting back back and forth with a buddy of mine that has, he's he's pretty involved with how everything is growing in terms of bike parks and and gravity in Missouri. Yeah. And I mentioned to him that that I was going to have you guys on today. And he had said that he thought you were a comedian. Yeah. And I had remember, and I had seen something a couple of weeks ago that you'd posted about your, your wife having an album or something that just came out, you know, and yeah. it's just, it cracked me up, man. I'm like, so then I started looking into it a little bit more and I don't, I couldn't quite figure out, but are you the, are you behind the action figure therapy? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I actually started uh, that thing with another guy. <laughs> in Los Angeles. And so, yeah, I, I did a couple of characters on there and the, the one that really kind of made it, the one that got it going, you know, that kind of popped it, uh, was a character I did called jungle. And, um, so yeah, I would, I would write and voice that one. I did that for a couple of years, long story. Like I almost got a show on FX, um, uh, my own animated series actually. And, uh, which is a big reason why I just came back to Georgia because I got so screwed on the whole thing, um, and spent so much time in the woods, <laughs> but yeah, uh, done a lot of stuff in, in the comedy business per se, but, but yeah, going back to the Midwest though, I used to go to the Midwest a lot and worked all over the Midwest, but I love the Midwest because especially in the winter, I mean, I hated the weather, but like the audiences were amazing because 
like out there it's just like people don't care if it's like ice on the roads like they don't get like they'll still come out in droves and they'll drive home drunk <laughs> like on icy roads <laughs> like if it just remotely like sleets here a little bit in atlanta people are all just hunkered down like they won't go anywhere but yeah i just remember all these shows i used to do in the midwest and i just had so much fun just rowdy fun i don't know some of the, some of my favorite audiences ever. Oh, I I can believe it. Yeah, especially in Wisconsin, people. Yeah, <laughs> people do stupid things. Oh yeah. <laughs> I still can't like when I came. I was probably right before bed last night. I came across that action figure therapy, and I was cracking up. Man, you must have made a little bit of a comeback during COVID because there's some there's some stuff on there that was hilarious. Yeah, I quit doing those. Like I had a big falling out with the guy, and. So I quit doing those and just started doing some other stuff, but, and then just kept continuing doing stand up. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I just need a break. I'm on a hiatus, but my wife is killing it right now. She's, she's doing really, really well. We met in stand up, and, um, yeah, she's, she's killing it. So I'll plug her, her album. <laughs> so well, and she's got her own podcast too. Cheaties. Is yeah. That, is that right? Yeah. So yeah, her podcast is called Cheaties. And um, yeah, so she just had this album come out. It's called White Trash Cinderella, which coincidentally enough, like half of her album is making fun of me. So it's pretty, it's pretty funny just to hear me get made fun of from her perspective. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's wrap this thing up. I really appreciate the fact that you two could come on here. I know I'm going to be back at Jared's place because like you said, awesome. I live in Wisconsin and that means winter is not rad. If you're into bikes, I mean, we do have fat biking, but it's really just a means to an end to keep pedaling. It's not like it's, it's that yeah. awesome. <laughs> I was there in late May of 2022 because of a wedding that my girlfriend's family was having in Chattanooga. And that same family has a different son who's getting married in Atlanta. Oh, wow. And so it'll be a, another wedding tour. All right. Well, we look forward to having you. I'm glad you glad you got down the first time. Definitely. I think you'll be stoked when you get back because there'll be some changes. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to do stuff like this too, because it, like you said, it helps further the sport and further the activity. And I think there's a market that really, especially with the pay to play model, that really is just going to start taking off. Hope so. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with e-bikes and the fact that you don't need chairlifts now to 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 do this model. Yeah, to uh, to 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 add to that, we had you know with the hurricane going on. Unfortunately, some people were displaced, and we had a very close friend of ours come visit. He was here from Tuesday to Saturday. He left Sunday morning. He rode 161 miles, and he rode 44,000 feet of vertical at our park. Was that e-bike or muscle bike? No, it was an e-bike. You die on a muscle bike. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's still impressive on an e-bike though. Yeah. Yeah. And he had the best time doing it. You know, it's cool. You know, like you said, you know, like the pay to play with the e-bike, you know, I know some people are against the e-bike life, but it's just a cool experience. And if you haven't tried it, we definitely recommend giving it a shot. Yeah. E-bikes are getting more and more, they're getting more and more accepted. And it's just, I don't think I haven't had a podcast come out in the last two months that hasn't talked about e-bikes. And not even because it was part of, it was a topic. It was just totally organic that it just came up. Yeah. Living and working out here, uh, having a 900 foot climb every single day, having the e-bike is great. Definitely understand why people still love an acoustic bike though. It's nothing quite like it. Well, Jared and Josh, I really appreciate the fact that you guys took the time today and we'll get back to work. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. You guys enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully you have a great week. You too, man. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you have heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating or review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. 
This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas in future communities or people to feature in Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. 